Amen. Well, it is good to be here. Sit that on my pew. It is good to be here. Good to see each one of you. Hope you've had a good day today. And I uh, know we got a little bit of rain. Appreciate the Lord sending that by our way. And uh, good to be back in the Lord's house. Do have much to be in prayer about tonight. Uh, remember, if you would, remember the Allen family, Brother Sammy Allen, uh, pastor of the Concord Baptist in Georgia, a tremendous man of God, been a hero to many down through the years. He did pass away, I believe it was Monday morning, and uh, so you remember that family, remember the church down there, and uh, I know they desire your prayers. Then thank you for praying for my grandpa. He is home, came home yesterday, and he seems to be doing pretty good so far. Uh, Mama said he seems like he gets a little bit bad on up in the night, not sleeping real well. Seems like at night he can't breathe too good, but can you remember him? Uh, but thank you for your prayers thus far. He does seem to be doing better than he was last time he was home, and uh, just several, several things on my heart. I've got several to ask you to help me remember, if you would, and uh, me and Miss Kendra's got some we ask you to help us pray about, and uh, several things coming up the next little bit. Don't forget, uh, August the 14th, that'll be a Friday night. I'll be preaching down at Canaan Baptist Church in Salisbury, North Carolina. Help us be praying about that meeting, if you would. I'll be preaching on Friday night. Brother Brett will be preaching on Saturday night. And uh, looking forward to a good time, the Lord down there. Then August the 26th, we will be uh, we'll be out of town that night. That'll be a Wednesday. Remember, Brother Wayne, he'll be preaching for us that night. Uh, then August the 31st, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the 30th or the 31st uh, is a youth Sunday. Uh, Brother uh, Houston Parks will be here preaching for us, and I'm looking forward to that. And uh, let me say this while I mention that, uh, we do have several uh, of our teenagers going to be taking part that day, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm not embarrassed them, but we do have uh, one going to teach the teenage boys class, one going to teach the teenage girls class, and uh, we're looking forward to that and may try to get a few more to do some other things as well. And uh, so you be much in prayer for them, and I appreciate them stepping up, being willing to do that, and uh, it'll be good for them. Isn't that right? It'll be good for them to step up and uh, get that experience. So you remember them. Remember all the things coming up. Uh, seems like there's so much coming up. October, uh, be here before we know it. The first or the third will be our revival of the home, and I'm looking forward to that. Brother Curtis Ponder and Brother David Edwards will be coming to preach for us, and uh, looking forward to a good time of the Lord there. And uh, they'll both be preaching each night, so looking forward to a good time there. Uh, then the fourth and the fifth, I'll be gone. Uh, whatever night I said Wayne was a preacher, and I might have been lying about that because he's preaching for me when we do the revival of the home. So I might have told you a lie. Wayne will be preaching October the 4th, I believe it is. And uh, whatever night I said, I don't think I need anybody fill in for me. Is that right? That's right. Okay. Yeah, I'm right now. October the 4th, Wayne will be preaching. I've got so much going on, I can't keep it all straight. Can y'all tell that? Uh, but Wayne will be preaching October the 4th. I'll be up at Brother Brett's and uh, be there 4th and the 5th. Then don't forget October the 8th, the choir will be going to sing up there. Uh, I talked to Brother Brett a little bit this week. He said he's going to keep an eye on everything as far as uh, as far as the coronavirus. And depending on how things were by then, he'd make a decision. Uh, but right now he is planning on a combined choir on the 8th. Uh, but he'd let us know something to be sure between now and then, all right? Uh, so remember each one of those. Continue to pray off for all that. Remember Shirley, I know she uh, is still down in South Carolina as far as I know. Several six, seem like there's much going on, and I know there's several, several requests within the church right now. But maybe tonight, before we go to the Lord and word of prayer, somebody have a special request upon your heart. 
Amen. So remember this. Somebody else tonight. Remember these. Somebody else. If so, let's remember each one of these, remember the service tonight. Ask Brother Kenny if he would. Take us, Lord, in a word of prayer. Somebody got something on your heart, something you need to do. You mind the Lord this evening.
tonight than what I told you. Uh, we've been last several services in, in verse 5 of the book of Jude, and I do want to come back there tonight, but I want to go a little bit different route than what I thought I would. Uh, so if you will, turn with me to the book of Jude, and then I want you to flip over a few pages back in your Bible and go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians, all right? Now, uh, put you a marker there, hold your finger there, whatever you need to do, uh, but we'll come back and forth between the two several times tonight, and I just want to try to give you what the Lord's put on my heart, and uh, I don't know. It seems like every time I try to get a plan with this, the Lord changes my mind, so I don't know where we'll be next next Wednesday or Sunday, whenever the Lord lets me preach it again. Uh, I don't know if we'll go into verse 6 or if we'll stay with verse 5 for a little while, uh, but this just be what the Lord have us do tonight, I believe, and uh, so you just bear with me, and uh, we'll turn back and forth several times, but I want to show you some things uh, here out of verse 5 in the book of Jude. So, uh, book of Jude, verse number 5, and then hold your finger or put you a marker, whatever you can do, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. Uh, but when you find your places there in the book of Jude, stand with me if you can enable in honor and reverence for the reading of the word of the Lord. Book of Jude, verse number 1. We'll begin reading there. And while you're finding your place and standing, let me say this. I know a couple uh, that have been listening online, not able to be here, uh, mentioned to me the, uh, a couple of weeks ago, the, the week that we didn't be weren't able to live stream, about getting them the notes. I have not forgot that. Uh, I've just been busy, haven't been able to get them quite yet, but I will get that uh, this week, Lord willing. I'll get them those notes. And uh, any of you, I'll go ahead and say this. I, those of you that have been here, you probably don't want them. Uh, but anybody that does, I don't mind getting those to you if you need them. But those that asked, I'll do my best to get it to you this week. All right. Jude, verse number one. The Bible said, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Verse two, the Bible said, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now, let me pause right there just a moment. You'll remember when we covered verse 3, I told you that phrase which was once delivered unto the saints, that phrase was important. It didn't just mean that uh, at one time it had been delivered to the saints, but it carried the idea once and for all, that it was a, uh, that they already knew of these things, it was uh, sufficient once for all delivered unto the saints. That'll be important in just a moment. Verse 4, the Bible said, For there are certain men crept in unawares who are before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 5, bear text tonight. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, 
how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray you'd help us tonight as we look into your word together. Lord, I pray you give us wisdom. Lord, I pray you give us spiritual insight. Lord, I pray you'd help us tonight. Take these truths and apply them to our hearts and lives. Lord, I pray that you do that which only you can. Bless those that are here tonight. Bless those listening by Facebook. Lord, I pray you'd have your will and way in every heart and every life. Lord, I pray tonight that, Lord, you'd touch in every request. Lord, it's been made mention. Help us now just for a little while. Lord, to put away the cares of the world, Lord, and, and, and study your word together. Lord, I pray tonight if there be one discouraged, encourage your heart. Lord, if there be one walking the far distance away, draw them up close to you once again. Then, Lord, I pray most of all, if there be one lost, undone without you, Lord, I pray you'd save them for it's everlasting too late. Help us now just for a little while. Lord, I, you know my heart. Lord, you know my need. Lord, I pray just for a little while. Lord, would you touch my body? Give me unction. Give me utterance that only comes from you. Lord, we'll thank you and we'll praise you for all that you've done, all that you're going to do. For we ask it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. You be seated. Thank you for standing tonight. Now, we've read through this several times, and I hope that uh, you have been trying to saturate your mind and saturate your heart uh, and reading it each week, at least reading through it one time. Uh, but we've read through these verses several times, but there's so much in the book of Jude. And uh, there's a lot of that we've made mention of that several times over the last several weeks. And uh, I was telling Brother Brett today, I was talking to him just a little bit, and he was asking me how things was going with the book of Jude. I said, well, I've made better progress than I thought I would. I said, I'm not done with verse 5 yet, uh, but this will make the sixth message that we've preached out of it. And uh, I really figured we'd bog down a little bit more than we have, but the Lord let us move on. Uh, but there's so much here in the, in, in the book of Jude that we could stop and look at, and we could spend much days trying to look into it. Uh, but I, I'm interested. I want to take and break down verse 5 just a little bit. We've looked at it twice now, uh, but we We've ran back to the Old Testament. We looked Sunday morning in Numbers 14 primarily uh, about when the Lord executed judgment on them for rebelling uh, going into the promised land. Then we looked Sunday night uh, at the, the events that God used, how that he raised up a man and how the events that was going on with the children of Israel went before God brought them uh, out of Egypt. But tonight I just want to look at verse 5. And of course we'll compare scripture with scripture, but I want to take the time to break down verse 5 just a little bit. Now watch what your Bible said. It said, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this. Now, uh, we've talked a lot over the last couple of services about how that Jude uh, had something he wanted us to remember. And you remember when we read a text a few minutes ago, I told you in verse 3, excuse me, that phrase or that term uh, uh, that was once delivered was being boarded. Well, here it is. Jude says in verse 5, he said, I want to put you in remembrance, though you once knew this. Now, uh, John, I started digging on that just a little bit this evening, this morning, and I found something. That's the same phrase or the same idea as verse 3. What Jude was saying was that, uh, I want you to be reminded of something, though you once knew this. He wasn't saying they only do it one time. He said, you've known this once, and you still know it. That's what
saying. What he was really saying was, was this. Uh, let me put it in Surrey County English. He was saying, I want to remind you of something that you already know. That's what he was saying. I just want to bring it back to your mind. Uh, uh, so I want you to notice with me just quickly tonight. I, I, I want to get on down uh, into the meat of verse 5. But notice with me quickly the sureness. Uh, that phrase, though you once knew this, is the same phrase. Uh, found in verse 3, it literally means, though you already know this. What Jude was saying was, what I'm getting ready to tell you, you already know. You already know what happened. You already heard, know the history. You already know what I'm getting ready to say. But I want you to think about it, bring it into your remembrance to make you think and make you uh, remember it because there's some lessons uh, that need to be learned. Let me ask you this. You all know uh, when you got your driver's license, most of you in here, uh, except for a few of the teenagers and young people, uh, have your driver's license. You know that you got your driver's license. You open up your wallet or open up your billfold and there's your license. You know that you got it. But you ever been around somebody that's getting ready to get them and they get talking about how nervous they are and they bring it up and it brings to your remembrance what you already know, isn't that right? Well, I know, Kirk, I've got my driver's license. If somebody else gets to talking about it, when Haston gets his car and he begins to talk about how nervous he is and uh, he's talking about getting them and what he's going to do, it's going to bring to our remembrance when we were that age and what we experienced and what we did. Are you with me? And so that's what Jude said. He said, you already know this. This is nothing new. You're already sure of it. Just let me bring it to your remembrance. Let me think about these things just for a few minutes. So Jude says that these things, uh, uh, in fact, let me say this, the Bible said in the book of 1 Corinthians, we'll be there in a minute, uh, talking about the children of Israel, he, the Bible said that these things were an example to us. Isn't that right? So Jude said, you already know this, but let me bring it up to your remembrance so that you can think about it. Jude was sure that they would understand what he, what he was saying because they already knew it. He just wanted to be reminded of those things. And the same can be said for us tonight. We know the story of the children of Israel. I mean, we might can go back and look at some things and uh, be reminded of some things. And there may be some things that we could even learn. But we know the general story of the children of Israel. But Jude wants us to stop and take a minute even though it's just one verse, he wants us to be reminded and put in our remembrance and get in our mind what we already know this evening. So there's a sureness. He knows they'll understand this. Not only that, look what he said. I'll therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this. Now watch this next phrase. How that the Lord, having saved the people... Out of the land of Egypt. Jude said, now I'm not changing, I'm just trying to help us this evening. Jude said, what I want you to do, you already know this, but put in your mind, remember how that the Lord saved the people out of the land of Egypt. Now you say, preacher, what's that have to do with us? Well, these things were our example, isn't that right? God allowed these things to happen to the children of Israel, to be an example to us and for our admonition. That's what the book of 1 Corinthians said in chapter 10, how they were an example to us and for our admonition now so there's some lessons that need to be learned about the salvation there's some things that uh, Jude wants us to remember now I want to give you three things and about three things about one of those things we're going to go real fast all right now listen to me the first thing I want to say about their salvation was this they were saved 
that right? We know without any shadow of that, we're sure tonight that God saved the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. We know that. We believe that. We know that they were saved. But I want you to think a little bit deeper about it tonight, if you will. Let's think about how it was they were saved. Can we just a moment? I know it's a little bit of a recap of the other morning, but let's think just a moment about some things that happened uh, in the children of Israel. Now, uh, we've looked at this a couple of times, but we know that God uh, uh, sent these plagues and sent these judgments uh, on the land of Egypt. Isn't that right? Now he's, rose, he's raised up Moses. Let's skip forward a little bit because uh, I didn't get that far. We ended in chapter 2 uh, Sunday night and God had begun to raise up a man. He had uh, a lot. Remember we talked about how that God was letting his mother raise him and paying her for it and how uh, that she was doing the Lord's work and the devil was paying for it. Uh, uh, we talked about all that. So, uh, so he's begun to raise up a man. And Leona, there's a man at the end of chapter 2, a small boy that's being nurtured by his mother. He's being taught by Pharaoh. We talked about how he must have learned leadership from Pharaoh, uh, but he learned the Hebrew culture from his mother. We talked about all that. Uh, then there were several events transpiring. I don't have time to get in all of it. Uh, but then we remember that Moses was on the backside of the desert. I know there's a lot that brought him there, but uh, we know the story. We may come back and hit some of it later. Moses on the backside of the desert. The Bible said that uh, uh, the that the, the Lord appeared there to him in a, in a burning bush that uh, Leon, this bush was burning and it was consumed not. Now let me just stop and say this. It would not have been a rare sight, John, to see a burning bush in the desert. Uh, uh, that would have happened fairly frequently but there was something different. Uh, this bush wasn't consumed. It was on fire but it had never burned up. It never it never withered away. Uh, so Mo, we know the story. The Lord told Moses to take off his shoes. Uh, uh, take off his shoes. He's on holy ground. We know all that. And the Lord appeared to him and spoke to him and told me he wanted to go to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And uh, Moses said, <coughs> who shall I tell him sent me? And he said, I am that I am. We know all that. Uh, but so then what happened was there was a series of events. Moses went in and told Pharaoh that how uh, the I am said, let my people go. And now we know the story, how that, how that Pharaoh, uh, the Bible said for that, that the Lord hardened in Pharaoh's heart and he uh, wouldn't let him go. We know all that and God sent judgment. And then uh, Moses would go in and speak to Pharaoh and uh, God would harden Pharaoh's heart. Uh, that's what the Bible said, by the way, that God would harden Pharaoh's heart. Uh, and so his heart be hardened and he wouldn't let him go. And, uh, over and over and over again, these plagues came and these great things and uh, these great things that God was doing. Uh, now, let me say this. While all that was true, do you realize not one person was saved uh, by the plagues that were sent to Egypt? Not one person got saved from that. Uh, now, you're looking at me kind of funny. Let me say this. They were not saved by the supernatural judgments that the Lord sent to the land of Egypt. In fact, the Lord used those plagues to harden the heart of Pharaoh. Did you know that? That's what they were for, were to harden the heart of Pharaoh. You say, preacher, what do you mean? Now watch this. Egypt was a land of pagan gods. Do you know what God was doing with these supernatural events, these supernatural uh, happenings, these plagues or blights, if you would? What God was doing, Sharon, was He was showing the children of Israel that He was greater than the than the, the Egyptian gods. That's what He was really doing. He was showing His people uh, that He could outdo the Egyptian gods that they'd come to know and to serve. And He was hardening Pharaoh's heart when the ever just about 
every time the Bible said, I used to struggle with that, and could not figure out why the Bible said that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. But he wasn't ready for him to leave yet. He wanted to show him that, every, are you with me? That everything Egypt had, he had something better. He was stronger, he was mightier, he was more powerful. And so he'd hardened Pharaoh's heart. Uh, and so it was not the blights on the land or the plague on the land uh, that saved the people, but that was what taught them who God was. Isn't that right? And can I just stop and say this? They've never been one person saved by a... Now, now listen to me carefully. I'm not talking listen to what I'm saying. There's a whole group, John, that they're looking for a, uh, while salvation is a supernatural experience, don't get me wrong, but they're looking for a supernatural sign. They're looking for some great thing. They're looking for this great feeling. They're looking for this fireworks to go off and everything to be right. Rob, there's never been one person saved by that. Did you know that? Uh, you know why God comes in and breathes through uh, every once in a while? He's showing us that He's mightier and more powerful than what the world is. Isn't that right? Well, it might bring you to a place to put your trust in the Lord. You're not saved by the miraculous things that you say. Are you with me? that right? Now listen to me. Kirk, I, I'm going to use an example. I'm going to pick on Kirk. As far as I know, Kirk's fairly healthy, doesn't have any serious issues, but tonight I'm going to use him as an example. Let's just say that Kirk called me tomorrow and he said, Preacher, I went to the doctor. I don't know exactly what's going on, but they say it's bad, and they say I don't have much time. Are you with me? Now let me tell you what could happen. God could use that. Are you with me? God could use that. And they could be somebody in his neighborhood or in his family, whatever the case may be. And God could touch him and do a supernatural thing uh, and take away that cancer. And John, he could use that for somebody to say, you know what? The God that Kirk Mosley serves is mightier than anything I've ever seen. Is that right? God could do that. But there ain't never been nobody saved because God cured somebody of cancer. It might bring them to the Lord. Are you with me? God might use it to draw somebody, but wrong, that's not what saved me. Isn't that right? So it was not the plagues that saved the children of Israel. Not only that, let's fast forward a little bit. Do you realize that the Lord used Moses to send the law to the people? Isn't that right? Not only was it not the blight of the land, but I want to say this, it wasn't the bringing of the law. Now stay with me just a minute. God didn't send the law to the Egyptians. God didn't send the law to the Philistines. He didn't even send the law to the Canaanites. Isn't that right? He, gave, he brought the law to the Hebrew people. But Kirk, that wasn't what saved them. I'm getting awful quiet. On the Mount of Sinai, God took Moses up in the mount, isn't that right? And Ronald handed him ten, two tablets uh, that the Bible said that the Lord took the finger of God uh, and wrote the law of God and gave them to Moses. But John, that didn't save not one person uh, in the camp of Israel. Did you know that? In fact, that was done after that they'd been saved out of Egypt. That right? Now you say, preacher, what are you going to say about that? Well, there's a whole group of people in these days that believe that keeping the law is what saves them. There's a group tonight that uh, says that, well, if you see these great things and you have these great signs and wonders and you have all these things, and uh, they call it, they, they refer to it stuff as the evidence of the Spirit and all this, and that's getting into a whole can of worms. I'll have time to deal with tonight. But uh, they weren't saved by these supernatural acts. That's not what saved them. And, uh, there's also a group that says, well, if you can keep the law and you live good enough and you live right enough 
then you'll be saved. But the law, the bringing of the law wasn't what saved them either. Isn't that right? Now you say, preacher, can you prove that? Listen to this. It was not the law that God gave Moses that saved the children of Israel. The law was given and they began to live by the law after they were saved from bondage of Egypt. Isn't that right? You know what the law is? It's a schoolmaster. That's what Paul said. That's right. Isn't it right? It's a schoolmaster. It's what brings us to the place that we realize we are a sinner. Isn't that right? And can I, I've got good, I've got for you tonight. Uh, you can't live by the law until after you're saved. Did you know that? Uh, you can't keep the law. Uh, in fact, we can't keep the law after we are saved. Uh, uh, but John, before I was saved, I had no desire to keep the law. I had no desire to live had no desire to try to do what God commanded of me. It was after I'd been saved by the grace of God that God put a desire in my heart to try to live and to follow after the laws of God. Isn't that right? That's how it happened to the children of Israel. They didn't even have the law, John, until after they'd been saved out of Egypt. And then God gave them the law. And then, and only then, did they begin to attempt and try to live by the law. So it was not the blood of the land, it was not the bringing of the law. You say, preacher, what was it that saved the children of Israel? Well, I've got good news. It was only by the blood of the Lamb. Isn't that right? It wasn't the miraculous things that happened. It wasn't the law that was given. But it was by sacrificial spotless Lamb that shed its blood and died so that they could live. That's in Exodus 12, by the way. The only thing that saved them out of their bondage was the shed blood of the Lamb. Hey, can I just stop and say this tonight? Uh, Jude said, I want to put you in remembrance of that that you already know. Uh, how that the Lord saved the children of Israel out of Egypt. Uh, you know what he was saying? Remember that it wasn't the law that saved you. Uh, remember that it wasn't the supernatural events that saved you. Uh, but remember it was the shed blood of the darling Lamb of God uh, that purchased and secured your salvation. Uh, it's only by the shed blood. Uh, can I say that one more time? Uh, it always has always Always will only be uh, by the shed blood. Uh, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Uh, I say thank God for the blood. Uh, it's by the shed blood this evening. So Jude said, remember that they're saved. It wasn't by the blood of the Lamb, nor the bringing of the law, but only by the blood of the Lamb. But that's not all we know about the children of Israel. Not only were they saved out of Egypt, but John, they were separated. That right? They didn't live after they were saved, Ronald, the same way they did before they got saved. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? Now you say, preacher, can you prove that? Turn with me over to 1 Corinthians real quick. I told you we'd go back and forth several times tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's begin reading in verse number 1. Can we? Bible said there in verse number one, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Now watch verse 2. That's where I'm interested tonight. And we're all baptized unto Moses uh, in the cloud and in the sea. Now you say, preacher, what are you saying? Let me show you what Paul's are saying here. He said, moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant. Now what he's saying is, there's something I want you to know. There's something that I want you to understand. I would not that you'd be ignorant of this. Now let me say this. There's a difference between, I, I'm going to say it the best one I know how to be. There's a difference between being stupid and being ignorant. Did you know that? Now, I know that's probably not a real good way to say it, but it's the best one how to do it. There's a difference. You know what ignorant means? Ignorant means you just don't know no better. 
that right? Nobody's ever told you. And Paul said, I would not that you be ignorant, brethren. What he was saying was, I don't want you not to understand this truth. Now watch what he said. How that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Now watch this. Now listen to me. I'm going to make it just as simple as I can do it. There's a lot of preaching here, but I'm going to preach it real, real simple, all right? And all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Now you say, preacher, what's he talking about? Well, let's think just for a minute. Paul said that they all were under the cloud and they all passed through the sea. Now we know what that is tonight. Remember we talked about it during the day. The Bible said that that God had a cloud, Ronald, that followed them during the day and that provided shade and that was air conditioning. Now during the heat of the day. Isn't that right? And let me just stop and say this. They didn't live like that when they were in Egypt. Isn't that right? There was no cloud in Egypt that covered... Are you with me? That was after they went. They, they, they had got saved. Then he said that they were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. That's talking about the Red Sea. Isn't that right? They came up to the Red Sea and uh, the Lord parted the Red Sea and the Bible said they all passed over on dry ground. They all, now, are you with me? Now, listen to me. I'm going to show you something. There's no way that you could start. Now, I don't care, I don't care what it is. I don't care. I, I know it's the Red Sea, but I, I'm just going to give you something we can think about. Let's just take a river, can we? Let's just say we pass over a river. Well, we're not on the same side of the river as we was to start with. Right. Things have changed, isn't that right? We're in, are you with me? My wife, I, I've got some land there back behind the house. And it comes down, John, to what, what to Snow Creek. That's where it comes down to. And so we, we, we was down there, and I, we was talking one day. And uh, Kendra looked at me, and she said, uh, don't you own some land down here? And I said, yeah, where was that? What it? I said, but if you look right around that bend up yonder, right there it is. That's, that's where it comes down, right there on the creek. And she said, well, how does that work exactly? She said, uh, now stay with me right here. She said, how does that work exactly? She said, does it just come right up to the creek and then stop? Is that where your land stops and then the, whoever else starts on the other side and the creek's just kind of in between what, what happens there? And I said, well, here's the thing. I said, well, it depends on how much rain you got, depending on this or that. That creek will be higher sometimes than it is others, right? Are you with me? And I said, so what they've always done, I said, the, the, the line is almost in the middle of the creek. But you can't really say, John, that I own the creek, but you can't really say that other fellow does either. Isn't that right? I couldn't go stop him from being in it, and he couldn't stop me from being in it. And I said, but everything on this side of the middle is mine, and everything on that side of the middle is his. Now, that'll help you right here in just a minute. So you know what would have happened, Chris? If I'd walked across that, re- that creek, I'd, I'd have left my land and been on somebody else's. Ain't that right? Uh, ain't that what happened when the children of Israel passed over? Uh, they wasn't living where they used to live no more. They wasn't following who they used to follow. They wasn't doing what they used to do. Everything just changed. Uh, and that's what Paul's telling us in 1 Corinthians. Uh, he said they separated themselves uh, from what they used to do, where they used to live, uh, are you with me? Uh, hey, can I just say this? I know it's a bad word in the day's time, uh, but the Bible still says, come out from among the world and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Isn't that right? Now, I'm not going to harp on it too much tonight. I'm not going to get into too much detail, but the child of God ought not live like they used to live. Uh, they ought not do what they used to do. Uh, not only were they saved, John, they were separated. Uh, they left their old life. Uh, they left their old ways, uh, and now they walked a 
different way. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Isn't that right? That's a separated life. And so they were saved, but they were also separated. You say, preacher, what else does the Bible tell us about that? Well, look with me in verse 3, will you? Paul said, went on to say, and did all eat the same spiritual meat. Now we know what he's talking about. The Lord sent man in the wilderness and sent the quail. Uh, so they all eat the same thing, John. Then in verse 4, the Bible said, did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now I want to preach on verse 4, but I can't stand it about that rock. But I'm not going to, but I want to give you some things real quick. I will say this, not only were they saved, but they were separated. Not only were they separated, but Ronald, they were secured. Did you know that? Uh, now let me show you what happened when they separated themselves. They were saved. They separated themselves. The Lord took care of them. The Lord is who kept them. Are you with me? Ain't that right? The Lord provided everything they needed, John. He was their only hope. They were secure in the Lord. Isn't that right? He provided the shade for them during the day. He brought the pillar of the cloud, uh, the, uh, the pillar of fire by night. Uh, uh, he gave them the manna. He gave them the quail. Uh, uh, can I just get down in verse 4 just a minute? That's always amazed me. Now watch what your Bible said. They did all drink the same spiritual drink. Uh, for they drank of that spiritual. Watch that next word. Right. Look at that word. That R and that word rock, uh, that's capital. You know what that means? Uh, that means it's a name or a person. Uh, isn't that right? Uh, and then it went on to tell us who it was that and that rock was Christ. What about that? But you know what I'm interested in? I'm interested in that word, that little phrase, that spiritual rock that followed them. Now you can believe whatever you want to, but the Bible didn't say it was carried. Didn't say it was carried. Didn't, didn't say nobody lugged it around. Didn't say nobody had a, had a rope tied to it. It just said that rock followed them. Now you say, preacher, what rock is it? Oh, my soul, I won't preach on this so bad. You know what it was? The Lord, they got to a place, Brother Corey, they needed water. And Moses went before the Lord, and the Lord said, I'll tell you what to do. Smite the rock. Isn't that right? Yeah. And Moses smote the rock, and the Bible said that water has sprang forth out of the rock. Now, I, I don't know this to be true. I don't think he'd lie. But I heard Oliver B. Green in a tape one time. Uh, I don't know when it was, back in the 60s or 70s, I'm sure. Uh, but he said, John, that he got to go to Israel. Uh, and said his tour guide took him out in the middle of the desert. I mean, out in the middle of nowhere. And he said they got out there and everybody's murmuring and complaining about why they was going out there. And said all of a sudden the tour guide just cut the jeep off of his end. And, and said, all right, fellas, y'all get out. Said everybody's looking around thinking, what are we going to I mean, they thought they was going to get killed or something. And, and he said, I want y'all to walk right down yonder uh, in a little ditch. He's the best one how to describe what he said. And said you couldn't see it from where they were. And he said he stepped off down there, John, and there was a rock that had the purest water he'd ever seen just spewing out of it. Are you with me? Now, he see, he looked at the tour guide and he said, Sir, could I take just a cup and get me some of that water? That tour guide said, Sure can. Be more happy to let you do that. So he went and got him some, drunk it. And he come back just tickled to death about that. And said some of his real religious spiritual preacher buddies looked at him and said, Well, you don't know that that was the rock uh, that the Lord, uh, you don't know that's what he's talking about. I mean, he's thrilled at that. He said, it, my, my, That rock was Christ. And I drunk some of that water. And I, uh, they said, You don't know that that was really him. And I kind of agree with him. Now, you just take it out 
if you want to. He looked at me and he said, well, it might not be that rock. But it was pretty miraculous that the Lord had a rock out in the middle of the desert, had water coming out of it anyway. I was pretty tickled to drink it. Ain't that right? Uh, now, whether it was or whether it wasn't, I don't know, but there was a rock that God had provided water out of for the children of Israel. And the Bible said, Paul said, they did all drink the same spiritual drink uh, uh, from the rock, from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. They were secure. God met every need uh, that they could possibly have. I mean, Kirk didn't have to do a thing. They got up in the morning, and there was, there was the uh, there was the manna. They just had to go pick it up. That's all they had to do. If they want something to drink, there was a rock, John, that followed them. Uh, they didn't have to go find a well somewhere. They didn't have to dig a well. They didn't have to do any of that. God just gave them water. Uh, when they began to murmur and got tired of the manna, God sent them quail. Isn't that right? Uh, everything they needed, everything uh, God provided. Can I just say this? You know what that reminds me of? Uh, Jude said, let me remind you of something that you already know. Let me bring to remembrance something that you already know. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me, wrong that I was saved uh, not by some miracle, not by some, uh, not by keeping the law, but by the shed blood. That's what saved me. It reminds me that I've separated. I, I'm not interested in going where I used to go and doing what I used to do. That I'm to be different now. Isn't that right? And then it reminds me that I'm secure in Christ. Uh, you realize we've got a greater promise than the children of Israel did. Uh, that Bible said that rock was Christ and it's miraculous Kirk. Uh, uh, that God allowed that rock to follow them. Allowed Christ, John, to follow them uh, everywhere that they went. Uh, but I've got a greater promise than that. Uh, uh, the Bible said that He lives in me. Not only that, but I live in Him. Uh, it's not even that He's following me. Uh, uh, but He's in me tonight. Uh, and He meets every need that I have. Uh, go ahead and nod your head. That's exactly right. We're secure in Christ. Isn't that right? So we see that they're saved. We see that they're separated. We see that they're secured. Then I want you to notice this. Not only do I want you to notice their salvation, Notice with me the sentence. Now you say, preacher, what are you talking about? Look with me there back in the book of Jude. Uh, you don't have to turn if you don't want to. I'll read it to you. Bible says in verse 5, Therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this. So we say the surety. How that the Lord having saved the people, that's the salvation, out of the land of Egypt. Now watch this. Afterward destroyed them that believed not. Now watch this. Because John that he'd done so much for. Because he'd saved them, because he'd done all this, the Bible said that he afterward destroyed them that believed not. Isn't that right? So we see the sentence. We see the judgment, if you would. Let me say this. In Numbers chapter 14, we looked at the other night, so I'm not have you turn. The apostasies of the people finally came to a head. Now, Numbers 14 was not the only apostasy they committed against the Lord, but it's where it come to a head. It's where God finally said enough is enough. Isn't that right? I mean, all throughout the, all throughout the history of the children of Israel, they'd served pagan gods and they'd done, they'd done, they went against what God said. All throughout the history. Now, I, there's no way we could ever dig into all of it enough. But in Numbers 14, Wendy, it finally come to a head. God finally said enough is enough. Isn't that right? There's all, I told you when we first started, I believe it was the first night, if not as the second night, I told you God always has, He does, and He always will judge apostasy. Isn't that right? It always comes to an end. There's always judgment at some point, John. 
And it's not me that does it. It's not you that does it. It wasn't even Moses that did it. It was the Lord. If you remember, I told you, Moses did the same thing he'd done all of them other times. He said, Lord, if you kill them now, then everybody in Egypt's going to say you couldn't bring them. You know what the Lord said? He said, enough is enough. Isn't that right? Now watch this. So we see the sentence. Number 14, it finally comes to a head. When they refused to go into the land of Canaan, now notice what they said, Numbers 14, verse 2, this is the statement they made. Would God we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would God we had died in this wilderness? Now that's not a question. You go back and look at it. If you don't believe me, you go back and look at it yourself. It doesn't, they didn't say, would God we had died in the land of Egypt? Question mark. John, it's an exclamation point. They're crying out against God and said, we would to God, we wish, is what they're saying, we'd have just died in Egypt. Or if we couldn't die in Egypt, we wish we'd have just died in the wilderness. Now you say, preacher, what happens when God judges apostasy? Well, I'll tell you what he did in the book of Numbers. He answered their prayer. It's exactly what he did. He said, you want to die in the wilderness? You can die in the wilderness. That right? Yeah. Now don't die on me. That's what happened. He said, if that's what you want, that's what we'll do. Yeah, that's right. That right? And he, Moses tried to intervene for the people. He tried to be a mediator, and the Lord said, No, enough. I'm paraphrasing that. He said, Enough is enough. It's done, went too far. I'm going to give them what they want. Now, can I show you something? It wasn't all apostates. that right? It wasn't all of them apostates. Can I show you something? Now, I'm, I'm giving you my speculation, but I can prove to you what apostates. I'm going to do it in just a minute. Let me ask you a question. Show me in the Bible where the Lord told Moses to send in 12 spies. You can't do it. God never told Moses to send in 12 spies into the land of Canaan. You know what I believe? I believe there was at least 10 men, Brother Corey, that we know of because they come back with an evil report. Isn't that right? There was somebody who said, before we go, we better go check it out. that right? Before we just go marching in there, we better go check it out. And remember what we talked about when we looked at the apostates, how they creep in unaware and it's a slow process. And so it's not just immediately, but John, all this time, I believe they've been sitting there saying, do you really think we can do it? Do you really think we can go in? Do you really think that? Do you really think that? And then, you know what happened? Now listen, now stay with me. I'm, I'm, we're getting where it boils down. Watch what happened. They sent 12 men in. Joshua and Caleb come back and said, it's a good land. If God be forced, we'll take the land. Let's go take it. That's what they said. Let's go take it. Isn't that right? And those other 10 said, I just don't know about that. Now, you don't know what we've seen. We're like grasshoppers in our eyes over there. Imagine what we look like to the sons of Anakai. Imagine what we look like to the giants. You don't understand. There's giants over there. There's walls over there. There's cities over there. You don't understand what we saw. You know what the Bible said? That all the people wept and cried. You know what apostasy does? It turns the whole congregation. You know what Jesus said? I know he's talking about sin. I know that. But here's what he said. That a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Isn't that right? That's what happens. That's what an apostate does. They'll eventually leaven the whole lump. Isn't that right? That's what happened. 
You look. Now what did Paul say? That they all came through the same thought. They all eat the same spiritual meat. They all drank the same spiritual drink. They all passed through the same cloud. They all passed through the same sea. They had the same experience as John, Joshua and Caleb did. But what they all, the Bible said all the congregation except for Joshua, Caleb, Moses, and Aaron wept and cried because they could not go in. And the Bible said, Wayne, that all the congregation said, would God would just die in Egypt. Would God would just die in the wilderness. You know what happened? A little leaven leavened the whole lump. that right? Now you say, preacher, how do you know they weren't all apostates? Well, I know what this verse says, but I read after a man today that had a, uh, used this, and I believe it'd be a good, I believe it'd be a good uh, jumping off point. Notice with me the structure. Latter part of verse 5, that last four or five words, the Bible said, them that believed not. Now the way that's phrased, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. John, the way that's phrased, it almost makes it seem like there were some that did believe. Isn't that right? In fact, we know there was. Joshua and Caleb got to go in. Isn't that right? They believed. They believed that God could deliver them. So we know there's at least two men that believe. Watch this. Let me show you something. The Bible makes it clear there were some mingled into the congregation of Israel that did not believe. There's no question about that. There were some that did not believe. There was a mixture of those who did genuinely believe and were saved and apostate. There were some that were saved, that believed. Then there were some, John, that were apostates. We, we, know, we know that much. Exodus 12, 38, the Bible said this, And a mixed multitude went up also with them. Now listen, I, I, know, what, I, know, I know that uh, I've heard that all my life, say there was men and women and children. I don't understand that. But I had a man uh, pose this question in a book I've got under my office, and it made a lot of sense. He said, I wonder if God was giving us a hint. Because, see, God doesn't look at man, woman, boy, girl. God doesn't look at, are you with me? God doesn't look at that. And God doesn't look at black and white and red. He doesn't see that. He sees three kinds of people. And we talked about that one time. You say, preacher, what are the three? He sees the church, the Gentile, and the Jew. That's the three kind of people, John, that God sees. That's how God separates the human race. And he said there was a mixed multitude. Wonder if what he was saying, John, is there's some that believe, and then there's some that are just apostates. That right? That book was inspired, wasn't it? God inspired and God breathed. One, I don't know. I, you, you're smarter than I am, probably. But I wonder, Kirk, if what He was really letting us know was, in His eyes, there was a mixed multitude. Are you with me? Now watch this. You say, preacher, can you show us anything else? Well, I believe I can. Go with me back to First Corinthians, real quick. We know tonight it was those apostates who believed not the way that Jude told us. That caused the trouble. And we also know that because of their persuasion, no matter how many of them there were, because of their persuasion, many died. Now you say, preacher, how do you know they weren't all apostates? Can I show you something? Now watch this. Watch with me in verse number 5 of the book of 1 Corinthians. Let me read you these verses. I'm just going to say a few words and I'm done. I promise. Notice what your Bible said. But with many of them. Now, I want you to mark it. If you don't want to mark it in your Bible, mark it in your mind, do whatever you got to do, but I want you to keep that in your mind. But of many of them, God was not well pleased. 
For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Who was overthrown? The many of them that God was not well pleased. Verse 6, Now these were our examples. To the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Who is he talking about? The many of them that God was not well pleased. Now watch verse 7. Neither be ye idolaters as were, watch those next three words, some of them. They didn't say many of them. He said some of them. Some of who? Some of the many of them. Is that right? Of the many, John, that he was not well pleased, some of them were idolaters. Is that right? Are you with me? Now, don't lose me. Of the many that he was not well pleased with, some of them were idolaters. Now watch this. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink, and rose up to play. Verse 8, nevertheless, ne- neither let us commit fornication, as, what's those next three words? Some of them committed. And fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Verse 9, neither let us tempt Christ as, what's those next three words? Some of them. Some of who? Some of the many that he was not well pleased with. Now watch this. Uh, also tempted and were destroyed a serpent. Verse 10, neither murmur ye as, watch those next three words, some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Verse 11, now all these things, now Paul's taking all of it and lumping it into one verse. Are you with me? He's taking all this we've just read and he said, now I want to tell you something about it. Now all these things happened unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon, now watch this next phrase, whom the ends of the world are come. Now you know what Paul's saying in verse 11? All these things happen to them for an example and for our admonition upon which the ends of the world are come. You know what Paul's saying? Paul said, we'll be able to apply this, and it's an example to us, until the end of the world. That's what he's saying. In fact, some people believe that what Paul was really saying was, it apply even more at the end of the world. In the last days, John, it'd be even more applicable to us than it was anybody else. Some people believe that, but I, I, I we agree, Paul's saying until the end of the world, this is going to be an example for us. Isn't that right? Now what's, now, what's Jude dealing with? I told you it's the last warning before the book of Revelation. The last warning before that God begins to bring judgment on the earth. And what's he dealing with? Apostasy. What, what brought the children of Israel down? Apostasy. Now, let me show you something. I'm done. You say, preacher, what's apostasy? Let me show you something. There's a group of people that God saved, brought out of the land of Egypt. He saved them. He separated them. And he secured them. Isn't that right? But because of apostasy, many died because of some. Isn't that right? Bible said, Ronald, that he was, he, many of them, he was not well pleased. There were many of them died and never got to go into the promised land. Isn't that right? Now, the promised land is not talking about heaven. That's talking about the victorious Christian life. I'm not talking about you lose your salvation. I'm talking about they never got to live where God wanted them to live because of apostates that corrupted the congregation of Israel. Are you with me? Because of some, many died. 
Now you say, preacher, what are you saying? You look around in our day, churches falling apart by the millions. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, people, people falling out. People, I, I'm not just talking about that. They, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not condoning this. Leona, I'm not just talking about they don't come every time the doors are open. I'm talking about they're plumb out. I know people that have that were uh, testified they were saved. John was a help to me, was an encouragement to me that I had confidence in, that I looked to, that I, I mean good people that I had confidence in that tonight are sitting at home and have no desire for anything to do with God, no desire for anything to do with church, no desire for anything like that. You say, preacher, what happened? I'll tell you this. Some of them just weren't saved. But some of them, God's not well pleased with because of some. that right? There's some of them that apostates crept into a church. And they so, Kirk, it wasn't that they lost their salvation. It wasn't that they didn't come out of Egypt. It wasn't that they weren't saved. But they became so, you can be saved and live lost. Did you know that? Now let me say that again. Are you with me? You can be saved and live lost. It is possible. Despite what everybody else says, it is possible to be saved by the grace of God and live like a lost man. That's what the children of Israel did. Isn't that right? That everything God had done, yet they said, He just can't do this. So, preacher, why was it? Because there were few apostates that corrupted the whole congregation. That's the desire of an apostate. The Bible said that they crept in unawares. Let me go back and read it real quick. I want you to get the, I'm done after this, I promise. Let me read you the description of an apostate one more time. Now listen to what Jude said. Verse 4, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Is that not what happened to the children of Israel? Is it not? Remember what happened? Moses up on the mountain and the people began to murmur and come to Aaron and said, we want a God we can look to. We want a God we can see. And the Bible said that Aaron told the people to bring, to bring all their golden earrings and the earrings of their wife and their children and he met that down and made a graven image, that golden calf. Are you with me? Are you with me? Moses come down off a mountain and here they were, John naked, dancing around, worshiping this golden calf after everything God had done. If anybody should have never turned to idolatry, it ought to have been there. Isn't that right? You know what happened? There was some apostates crept in and said, no, you, you, that's not really true. Get, there's more, there could be more to this than just falling a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. You need somebody you can look to. We need the gods like the Egyptians had. We need something we can look to. Are you with me? And they corrupted the people slowly, little by little. So, are you with me? That's exactly what an apostate does. Turn the grace of God in lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Jude said. You know what they did? The final thing they did, here's what they said. Now stay with me. They come into the, they come to the Red Sea. Or they come to the, they come into the inner end. They come to the Jordan, get ready to enter into the land. And they looked around. Now think about that now. God brought them across the Red Sea. And they looked across and said, well, I just don't much believe he can do that. That right? You know what they was doing? They was denying the only Lord God and the Lord Jesus Christ. He'd met every need they'd had. If you give me five minutes, I'm going to quit. I, I, I'll be in verse six next week. 
They come to the waters of Mar that were bitter. The Lord said, throw in that tree. And the Bible said, the bitter waters of Mar become sweet. Isn't that right? They cried out for water and the Lord gave them a rock that followed them that gave them water every day. They cried out for food and God provided. Every single need that they'd had, God had met. But now, because of apostates, they said He just can't handle those giants. He just can't. You know what apostasy is crying out in our day? God can't handle what's going on in our day. God, are you, now stay with me. Is that not what we're hearing? All that was good and fine and dandy for grandma and grandpa, but it won't work today. That's apostasy is what it is. Uh, how many times have you heard this? Well, you just can't preach like that in the day's time. Um, it's different times. People won't get under standards like that. That's apostasy is what that is. Uh, it's turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. Uh, it's denying the only Lord God. If he was good enough for grandma and grandpa and mom and daddy and me, uh, it'd be good enough for my youngins and my grand youngins and my great grand youngins. Uh, and if he tears his coming, my great, 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 great grand youngins, uh, he does not change uh, despite our circumstances. Uh, despite our surroundings uh, he is God this evening uh, and he changes not isn't that right if you're not real if we're not real careful tonight Jude said I want to remind you of something that you already know and all he was doing was echoing Paul that these things are our examples and be used for our admonition under the ends of the earth all he was saying was you better remember what happened to the children of Israel and be mindful that it doesn't happen to you. you back, remember what he did in verse 3? Sounded out the war cry. He said, it's time to earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered to the saints. Jude's reminding us that if we're not careful, in our day, in our time, that we'll, the same thing happened to the children of Israel can 